Hello and welcome to another episode of the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host Richard McKenzie out of the greater Cincinnati area, northern Kentucky, Dayton, as well as the northeast, mainly Mainville, Morrow, Wilmington, etc. areas. And today's episode we want to talk about attending your home inspection and experiencing it and taking it in and reading your report and following through and doing the things that you should do when you make an investment in a house and follow through on those items that are in the report. So let's get into it, shall we? So first things first, let's do back the train up a little bit and see what you can do to make your experience at the home inspection even better with hopefully picking out the right house. So, all right, when you get to a house, and I say you, why you? Because you don't want to send anybody else. You want to send yourself, but I can't take off work. Find a way to get to the inspection, even if it's for the last half hour. Find a way to be there. You're spending, let's just say, a round number, 200 grand on a house that you're going to be in debt for 30 years. You mean to say you can't make a two to three hour inspection sometime that you can find, whether it's going to work early, take a half day vacation, personal time, whatever it may be. I would never ever send somebody in my place if I were the one who is going to be taking care of the house, owning the house, being responsible, paying the mortgage, paying, um, paying homeowner's insurance, and paying taxes on that house. I have a vested interest in understanding every single aspect about what I take in during that two to three hour inspection. All right. So what are, what are some things to look for then when you are looking at houses so that you can have a good inspection? Well, I've said this before, probably in three or four other episodes, don't go immediately into the front door or back door for that matter of the house. Walk around the outside. You own the property, but do you inspect the yard? Well, kind of, sort of, in a way. We inspect the grading of the land as it meets the house. What does that mean? The grading of the land as it meets the house. It's either going to slope towards the house, away from the house, or flat. The best scenario is for the grading to slope away from the house so water runs away from the house, away from your foundation. And your gutter downspouts need to be intact and extended away from the house I would say a minimum of seven feet. Why do I make up seven feet? Because seven's a good number. If it's longer and you can put up with 15 feet away from the house and buy those black plastic solid corrugated black tubing, which are called tile, believe it or not, they're called tile because they used to be made out of tile. Well, those are very important to help assist water stay away from the house. So look at the outside, look at the bushes. Is the house covered in vines? Are trees up against the house? I have seen people live in houses for 20 years, pay no attention to the outside. They have vines growing up their house. They have tree branches touching the house. They have the house 
roof is covered in pine straw or leaves, and they have no idea why they have carpenter ants. Let that sink in for a minute. Prevention. So you are buying a house to live in and own the outside. And own the outside and own the outside. So outside is important. But I'm not good with the outside. Well, you better find a way to be good with the outside or afford to pay somebody to take care of the outside so you don't have to worry about it. It's very important. Tree branches need to be trimmed. Sometimes trees need to be removed if they're too close to a house. What's too close to a house? You'll really know it when you see it. If you have a house that's a a tree, excuse me, that's growing up against the side of a house and it's leaning away and the trunk is like a few inches away from the house, guess what? That's too close to the house. Because if that tree tips over, the root ball is probably going to cause damage to the foundation when it pushes up. So you don't want that. You don't want the tree falling on your house. You don't want branches. You don't want any of that stuff doing damage to your house. Not to mention providing Interstate 75 for animals to get on your roof. You don't want that. Okay, enough about some of the outside things. Driveways, those are important. Concrete, concrete up against the house. Um, Concrete, there's a balance with concrete. Uh, You don't want something on a slope that's a concrete slab to be able to settle and push towards your foundation if it's touching it already. But at the same time, you also want the gaps between concrete and the house to be closed so that water doesn't get into that gap and cause issues with your foundation. So there's a balance. So concrete should be flat or pulled away from a little bit, sloping away a little bit, just to allow water to run downhill away from the house and close that gap with mortar, concrete, um, rubber membrane, um, polyurethane. There's different ways that that can be sealed. And is that important? Yes, it is. I wouldn't be mentioning it if it's not important. So water is the number one factor when you are looking for a house. How will water affect your house? How will water affect the house? If you're looking at houses and touring houses, That is a big question you want to write down, take with you, and think like water when you're at the inspection. If you can find a house that has a piece of land where you don't have vegetation covering it or too close to it, and you have a good drainage situation, you're probably going to be in a good scenario with the inspection. Because everything else that we find at the inspection is probably not going to be as expensive is having to fix issues caused by poor drainage, which can be foundation issues and mold and other nasty things that that are very expensive. Both of those items tend to be very expensive. Okay, so if you find the right inspector, I would say we are the right inspector, of course. That's why I'm recording this. If I didn't think we were the right inspector, I'd be stupid. Um, So... Uh, We are the right inspector, but for your area, wherever you are in the country listening to this, you have the right inspector for you. Interview some of them, find out how they do the inspection. Uh, It's not always about price. It's about quality, how they do it, how do you uh, establish rapport with that person on the phone, and how they treat you. Do they answer the phone? Do they follow up with you? 
answering the phone, I think, is incredibly important. Okay, now let's uh, talk about coming into the house. And again, I'm assuming that you are with us during the inspection. So finishing up, before we get in the inside, let me finish up on the outside. When we're on the outside, we are going to be looking at the drainage, the siding, the windows, doors, um, plumbing fixtures, assuming they have some outside, any outlets that are on the outside, and of course the roof and the chimney. So we're going to be inspecting those items, putting all of that in the report, and then we come inside. Now, if there's a detached garage, then we definitely will do that before we come into the main house. Detached garages are pretty pretty common, especially with older houses in the Model T, 1910s, 20s, 30s, etc., where you may have had a one-car detached garage. All right. Now, I will say about detached garages, they tend to be out of sight, out of mind. We have seen some of the worst conditions for detached garages, especially when the lot touches up against another lot and maybe somebody built a fence up against the backside of your garage and there's a tree growing up against it that nobody looks at. Hasn't been looked at in 30 years. And half of the garage and back is covered in vines. And lo and behold, there are termites and carpenter ant damage on the back wall, sill plate. Um, the big tree growing into the house has caused the concrete slab to crack in half and fold up like a tent. So these are items that we see pretty commonly. Keep an eye on your detached garage. Maintain a walkable path with no vegetation three feet around the perimeter of your garage and you have a good shot at keeping a garage in good shape. Even gutters are important to have on a garage with downspouts. Okay, so let's keep that in mind when you're looking for houses. Definitely tour the garage. If you, um, if, if let's say you get to a house showing and the garage, at the detached garage is locked, you have no access. Don't put a contract on that house until you have toured the garage. There could be some really expensive stuff going on with that garage that may be out of your out-of-pocket limit to fix yourself if those things are not repaired by the sellers. All right, so I said we were going inside the house, so we'll go ahead and do that now. Let's go inside the house. What are we doing on the inside of the house? Well, I want to take my tape measure and I need to go make measurements for all where my furniture is going to go and stuff. You go ahead and inspect. No, stay with us at the inspection. Really good and important to stay with us at the inspection. Um, you want to hear everything we're saying. It's not just about the final report. And you have a better chance, I think, of doing well with that house if you listen to the inspection, read your report, and follow through on the items. If you have to take the, the report down to Kinko's, FedEx Kinko's, and pay 20 bucks to print it out, that's worth it. It's worth getting a printout of it, saving it, creating a honey-do list, and knowing that there are things that need to happen. Well, all my outlets are ungrounded, and, and I know that they were like that back in the day, 1930, and I know I have the ones that are GFCI at the kitchen countertop, and that's all fine, but the ones that are ungrounded throughout the house, I'll just leave them like that, because they're working fine. Yeah, they're, they may be working fine, 
but you also have to worry about your insurance. Will your insurance cover ungrounded outlets that are probably knob and tube wiring if they were 1935 or before? What about, um, what about your modern appliances that you have, computers and, and video games and all these other things that really need to be, not to mention refrigerators and so forth, that need to be plugged into grounded outlets or GFCI protected? Don't, don't go plug in your, your refrigerator into a GFCI outlet, however. Okay? If that ever trips, you're going to lose all your food because you'll forget about it and your food will go bad because your refrigerator will be off. All right, I digress. Ungrounded outlets. What about the wooden windows that have all the paint chips and flakes and dust and stuff in the window frames and you're concerned about lead paint? Well, if you were to replace those with vinyl replacement windows or whatever replacement windows, that all, all that stuff gets all sealed, painted over, um, and you don't have that lead paint issue uh, <clears throat> unless, of course, somebody chews on the windowsills through four layers of paint to the original, then, then you do have an ingestion problem. So if you have children that, that chew on things, if you have dogs that chew on things, be careful. Just be careful. You don't want them chewing on the windowsills because there, there could be lead paint if the house is 1978 or older. Okay? That's all painted over, and that's fine if it's encapsulated, Unless, again, if somebody takes chunks out of that and eats it. Okay? So those are things to, to consider. Um, you want to stay with us during the inspection. We're checking the accessible outlets. What does accessible mean? That means we're not climbing over somebody's master bed to get to an outlet or a window. That's somebody's very personal, intimate space. We are not climbing on top of somebody's bed. Okay? That's just very realistic. Well, maybe you need to clean out all the furniture before you inspect the house. No, that's not a realistic expectation. Some houses are lived in when you inspect it. Some houses are vacant. And we do everything in between. Some houses are in an estate and there's just a few pieces of furniture there. Nobody's living there. Um, Well, then we can probably see more stuff than, than whether the house is all cluttered up and and people are living there and so forth, but not every house is gonna be vacant and that's just not a realistic expectation. We do the very best we can at the inspection. It is not an exhaustive, it is not a 100% checking every outlet unless everyone is accessible and unless the house is vacant and all of them can be, can be reached, okay? That'd be one of the cases where we probably would check every outlet, check every window, etc. Sometimes windows are painted shut. Well, can't you get a razor knife and cut the paint and check the window? Well, yeah, we could, and then we'd be yelled at by the listing agent and by the homeowner for doing damage to their house, and we're just not going to do that. We have to be very realistic with the expectation of a home inspection of what you can and can't do. There's limitations of things, and we're absolutely held to standards, licensures, and so forth of what's what's in the scope and not in scope of the inspection. So we do the very best we can with, with everything that we're given, um, which is why it's very important for you to stay with us during, at the inspection. All right, we check it, we're checking windows, outlets, plumbing fixtures, checking those to make sure the water pressure is normal and that there's no leaks. Um, sometimes there are 
some showers uh, if you have a person who is retired uh, maybe elderly living in the house and they use one bathroom and nobody lives with them and they have a three bedroom or excuse me three bathroom house it's not uncommon for plumbing fixtures to get seized what does seized mean seized means mineral buildup inside so much that the two metal surfaces that rub against each other when you open a valve like a handle for a shower or a handle for a tub or a sink they get so they haven't been used in a couple years that they just won't turn anymore well we can't break that we can't get out a wrench and try to do that but we can put that that needs a repair by a licensed plumber or verification by the homeowner prior to closing. These are things that we can put in the report to protect you. And when we do see things of a special specialist um, need for an estimate for repair or something like that, then we will put that in the report. That would mean like a licensed electrician. Because if you think about the home inspector, they are a generalist. We know a lot about a lot of things. However, There are specialists. What do you mean specialists? I mean like a licensed plumber. If we see that the water heater needs to be replaced or needs a repair, then we put repair slash replace by a licensed plumber when? Prior to closing. We put those words in the report to protect you. But seeing that object in real life, what was the scenario that created us to need to use that wording? That would be only known by you if you attended your inspection. Well, my cousin Will, he can, he can answer any questions. He's got a great memory, and he's going to write everything down. I doubt it. I just doubt it. It's not his house. He may do a fantastic job, but he's not going to have a 100% recall memory, and he's not going to point everything out, and it's going to be third person. It's just not the same as being there at your inspection. Well, I'm an investor out of state. That's a different story. We call you when we're done. We try to go over as much stuff about the inspection as possible. And we even impress upon you even more to be good with your due diligence and reading your report. In fact, if you have questions, call us. Okay. So we work our way through the house and get to the kitchen appliances. We're going to be running and testing them making sure they're working. We have actually gone to houses where you turn on, excuse me, you open the refrigerator, the light is on, but the compressor's not running, which means the refrigerator's dead. Yes, when the compressor dies, the refrigerator is officially dead. So we have seen that. We've seen microwaves that mm, they, they are running, but they're not heating. We have seen stoves with uh, baking or broiler elements where one of them worked, the other didn't. So yeah, we are testing these things. Uh, One of the most common plumbing items, and I use that word seized, seized up, would be a garbage disposal, which is the in-sync grinder. And a lot of times when they have not been used for a long time they absolutely will get seized up there's a little bit of rust that forms inside it between the blades and it just will not turn um, to operate and that's where we put repair slash replace by who by licensed plumber when prior to closing 
Okay, so we put that in there to protect you. What about the attic, Richard? What about the attic? Do you go in the attic? We go in the attic as much as we possibly can. Sometimes there are, and I'm not exaggerating, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper is about the size of the attic opening. And I'm just not sure if people or Martians used to live in that house. I don't know how a hobbit or a, a retired um, horse jockey Anybody, I just don't know how people could possibly get in there. I, I don't know how that works. Why does a builder build a, a, a scuttle opening so small that only you can only put one arm up there or just your head? And, and then you got the attic, the uh, closet shelving. If they're all wired in, screwed in, nailed in, um, and it's like impossible to put your ladder in a configuration I will say this, so I'm going to digress a little bit. One of the reasons that we inspectors try to stay in decent shape, stretching and so forth, is we get some of our most um, intense Cirque du Soleil workouts uh, trying to be as flexible as possible is the attic access opening, trying to get good pictures, trying to assess the condition. Um, Those are the thing that causes us the most consternation in probably any other area of the house. What about the crawl space underneath the house? Yes, I could probably get in crawl spaces sometimes easier than, than the attic accesses. Okay, attic. Yeah, we want to see if there's good ventilation. We want to see if there's good insulation. Insulation can be a product that is recalled as well, like asbestos-based insulation that needs to be encapsulated or removed, one or the other. Um, We do see that sometimes. Sometimes ventilation causes poor, uh, uh, well, I should say, sometimes there's poor ventilation, which leads to elevated moisture, which leads to mold, okay? When you get too much heat loss into your attic on a cold day, like let's say you're your house is sitting at 70 degrees and your attic is sitting at 30 degrees and you don't have enough insulation, you get a whole lot of heat loss in your attic, you're gonna get some mold on the decking. And that happens, we've seen that. So these are things we wanna point out and put good wording in the report to protect you, but we certainly wanna show you these things. Now, does that mean, Richard, we're gonna go in the attic with you? No, our insurance really doesn't want you in there anyway. In fact, it doesn't want you on the ladders we use. So that's probably not gonna happen, but we can at least tell you about it and show you pictures on the camera in real time. And that gives you a good idea of what, what's being experienced at the inspection, okay? So hopefully that makes sense. Also, um, we work our way down to the basement is the last thing. What is going on in the basement? Are there signs of moisture and mold? Why are you using the uh, moisture meters on the basement walls? Well, because it gives you an assessment of that part of the basement. Is the drainage okay outside? Or is it causing water to be soaked up onto the foundation wall? What about the gutter downspouts and the gutters themselves? Are they clogged with leaves and overflowing? These are things that we consider. Has the sump pump been working or is it dead? Did it die? Um, Is it causing water to be overflowing in the basement? These are things that we want to look at in the basement. And the cover on the um, furnace, we want to take that off. We want to take the cover off the electrical panel. We want to examine these things. 
Um, do you run the furnace in the middle of summer? Yes, we do. It's not real popular <laughs> when it's 95 degrees out and we're running the furnace. But, yeah, we do, of course. We're looking for signs of termite activity, termite damage. Uh, what about that? Um, what about unlevel things? What about repairs in basements? What do you do when you see I-beams on a basement wall, which are there to fix a horizontal crack, and you don't have a transferable warranty, and you have work that looks, as my sons would call, sketch, which I mean sketchy, which means not real professional looking, or questionable, then we are going to put in the report We suggest further evaluation by who? By licensed structural engineer. When? Prior to closing. What if I don't read my report and I don't discover that even if you mention it on the phone and I'm all stressed out because I'm a buyer and I'm purchasing a $200,000 house and I didn't hear every word you said, but you said to get a licensed structural engineer, but I forgot to open my report and I'm I'm letting my, my realtor do all the work for me. That's not good. You need to read the report yourself. If we say you need to check for a transferable warranty, it's because we don't see any paperwork at the inspection. There's nothing that somebody put on the kitchen table about um, some company XYZ who installed a, 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 a foundation repair and a waterproofing solution that has a lifetime transferable warranty that's supposed to be renewed every year for a sum of $100 that you're supposed to pay. That's real important stuff that you need to know. And yes, some of the warranties do require you to re-up, to sign up for that subscribed warranty every single year. So that means if you're at the inspection and we see that or find out about it, we're going to say, hey, get out your Google Calendar. Put a reminder out there. Here's when it was paid. Here's when it's going to be due. Let's back up maybe three weeks from that and put a reminder out there for you to call the company and put that on your debit card and pay for that warranty every year. If you let that warranty slip, that's that's a bad thing. Okay, you don't want that to happen. So... If you do see repairs on a foundation wall, you want to note them, especially during touring the house for an open house or if your agent has taken you to a handful of houses to tour and you haven't made a contract on that or a bid on that property yet, you want to note these things. Heck, you can even text a few pictures to us. We'll be glad to look at that to see if that's going to be an issue. I've definitely done that before can do that for free yeah so keep an eye out for things when you tour houses during open houses don't get don't get caught up in the stainless steel appliances and granite countertops take a lap around the house or two once clockwise once counterclockwise go in the basement check the basement out after you've gone outside then go in the kitchen and get distracted by the shiny objects okay then take measurements with your tape measure and see if your furniture is going to fit those are those are things to do but that's that's basically what an inspection is like there's a few other odds and ends you can do some people get sewer scopes you really need somebody who does that for a living not um, not a, a wet behind the ear inspector who has watched a couple of YouTube videos and, and then charges 300 extra bucks you want to get 
a qualified technician to do that. There are people who do that and that's all they do for a living and they're very good at it. Then you have people, um, you also can do a radon test if you'd like to do that. That's something you can do. If there's a septic system at the house, then check with the local municipality to see the last time that was inspected and check with the homeowner or listing agent the last time that that was empty. Those are very important things to do. What if you have a well or a cistern at the house? What the heck's a cistern? A cistern is a big tank that holds water and that's your drinking water after it goes through some filtration systems and so forth. And therefore you wanna make sure that those systems are in functional condition, which is really beyond the scope of an inspection. But if we look at those and we see that there's something in our gut that's giving us a check, then we're going to put some some language in the report to cover you, to protect you, okay? So, uh, and you may want to have a water quality test consisting of nitrates, nitrites, coliform bacteria, E. coli. So, N and N, comma, coliform, comma, E. coli. That would be if you have a well or a cistern that would be somewhat out in the country, and that's your supply of water, you want to just, just make sure that your water is going to not cause any issues to you. Okay? Um, this has been the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host, Richard McKenzie. And I really hope this gave you some good information about why you want to attend your inspection, what it's like at the inspection, some things to look for when you're touring the house. I have mentioned on other episodes when you're on, on the outside to look at the air conditioner If it looks old, it is old. What about the furnace after I've looked in the basement? I think this color looks great. It's a puke green yellow mustard color for the furnace and it's really big. It's old. Um, So that needs to be looked at further uh, during the inspection by the inspector to uh, get a good look at that stuff. There's other things that we look for at the inspection as well, but this has been a good um, portfolio of items to look for at the inspection, a good list, and uh, happy hunting out there, y'all. I hope you do find the right house. You can always email us, pictures at richard at firstinspections.com, and that's the number one ST in the beginning, and inspections is plural. This has been the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host, Richard McKenzie. And until our next episode, thank you for listening.